Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. You're invited to I Am The Key One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And we are joined by the cutest ones, Kelly and Troy, the hosts of Beyond the Blinds. Hi, welcome back. Hi, thank you for having us. Oh my God, of course. I don't know if you two know this, but the last time you were here, it was when we first transitioned to nostalgia movies instead of Mary-Kate and Ashley stuff. So it's officially been one year of us covering nostalgic movies. Time flies when you're talking shit. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for coming back and celebrating this anniversary with us. And for the listeners, a little anniversary present, we are rolling out new cover art. So congratulations, you guys. (laughs) Your eyes are seeing something new. We did it. We did it, Joe. Before we get into the movie, though, Kelly, I really need to ask you, last night you saw Saturday Night Live. I need to know everything. Yeah, so I got to go to the rehearsal. My friend got tickets. Her boyfriend got sick. She asked me to go. I was like, absolutely, I'm there. Incredible. That is truly a dream. And you posted, you like got the inside scoop about Kiki Palmer. So you posted like an hour before anyone knew the big news. And it was so funny because I am such an SNL fan <laughs> that I didn't even read your caption with the announcement. I just saw your ticket and I was like, oh my God, my dream. I love it. And then I read your caption and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I can't lie. I felt like Dumois <laughs> a little bit. I was like, Troy and I are going to have our Dumois moment. Yeah. Breaking Absolutely. And I'm so mad because a lot of my friends are like suburban moms. So when you dropped the news, it was truly breaking news. But then they were all asleep at 11 o'clock p.m. on a Saturday. So by the time they read it, then everyone had it. And I was like, no, I brought you the news first. Via Kelly. (laughs) And by the time the listeners are hearing this, it will have been a week since the news aired. But in case you're like, what's the news? Tell us, please. In case you're a suburban mom, which no shade to the suburban moms. I am one of you. But but Kiki Palmer is pregnant. She is. So exciting. That opens up a whole new world of roles for you, Donnie. Wait, I know. Wait, because I literally cast her in every reboot that we talk about. So now she can play mothers. <laughs> and I have some Kiki Palmer tea of my own. It's not really tea, and I'll probably get emotional. So I do apologize. But as you know, I'm an usher at A Strange Loop. And today... December 4th, when we're recording, she came to see it. So first, she came down the aisle, and I knew right away she didn't have any makeup on. She had a hoodie, she had a mask, but I knew it was queen of I am the cute one, Kiki Palmer. So I was like, I loved you last night. You were incredible. Congratulations on the baby. She said, thank you. She went to her seat. Then at the end of the show, I was in charge of the ladies room, like three in the bathroom. Go. When you come out, I'll take the next like that. And she came to me and right away, I was like, if you need to use the accessible restroom, I'll sneak you right in. She's like, no, Donnie, I don't need that. So first of all, she remembered my name from the beginning. So then that made me cry. And then she was like, I just need to know where I can meet the cast so then immediately i got on my little britney spears headset i was like we have a vip and near the ladies room i need access to the cast immediately so she met the cast everything was wonderful but the moral of the story is kiki palmer sought me out and she knew my name 
Of course. Yeah, that really just makes me love her even more. This podcast is literally like two episodes away from its title changing to <laughs> Kiki Palmer is the cute one. Because <laughs> every yeah. week we talk about her. <laughs> Sometimes more than the movie itself. You just watch Akila and the Bee over and over every single <laughs> And it's crazy, Troy, because I truly mention her name at least twice every podcast recording, but we've never covered a Kiki Palmer movie. So oh my eventually God. we'll get there. When she's our guest... Ask, believe, receive. And so mm-hmm. it is. Now that she knows my name. Yeah, there we go. But now that we're eight minutes into this recording, we are, in fact, talking about the 2000 VH1 made-for-TV movie, A Diva's Christmas Carol, starring Vanessa Williams. So had any of you seen this before? No. Oh, oh wow. Which is, like, crazy. And people always message me about <laughs> watching oh. it because they know that I love VH1. They know that I'm, like, in my heart, I am really very much that girl. <laughs> and it's, it's just such a gay movie. <laughs> it's just iconic, but I've never seen it. So wow. this is a real moment for me. <laughs> this was my first time. And I have to say, I've been talking a lot of shit. I've been kicking and screaming. I've been digging my heels in. I've been sending Donnie very nasty text messages. And I put it on today. And within the first three minutes, I felt the Christmas spirit in my oh, heart. I'm so glad. <laughs> I've been watching it every year since the year 2000. So I'm glad that I got you three to watch. Because my favorite Christmas tradition is forcing people to watch this. And you three passed the test. <laughs> but I knew we were in for retreat with Chelsea when earlier this week she posted in her stories about Muppets Christmas Carol being the best iteration of this and I was like only fools that never saw Diva's Christmas Carol would say that (laughs) and she said oh Diva's Christmas Carol is like a Christmas Carol like Jesus Christ what did you get And I love The Christmas Carol. I One time I saw a community theater production, a one-man play of A Christmas Carol. And I've got to tell you, Muppets Christmas Carol and Diva's Christmas Carol, better than that production. You can imagine. <laughs> There's just something really like, I don't know, like that story, this sto- like the Christmas Carol mm-hmm. story is just like so nurturing. Like no matter what version of it you're watching, yeah, it's like familiar enough that you just feel like, okay, cool. Like when it's in like cartoon version, like I remember like the Scrooge yes, version of yeah. it. They're all good. But this one was like particularly really yeah. great, to be honest. A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life. I'll watch any iteration. Because that episode of Family Matters, when Lara wishes that Steve was never born, incredible. I also watch that every year. (laughs) (laughs) I Am The Cute One is now looking for sponsors. If you have a business you'd like to promote, email IamTheCuteOnePodcast at gmail.com to inquire about rates and packages. But now to set the scene, let's talk about what was happening December 13th, 2000, when this movie aired on VH1. It was a Wednesday, not a Friday, because it was not a theatrical release, so TV movies can be any day of the week. Independent Women, Part 1, by Destiny's Child, was number one song in the U.S., and Stan, by Eminem, was the number one song in the U.K. So no matter what country, as long as it was one of those two, (laughs) you were really thriving in music. (laughs) How the Grinch Stole Christmas was top of the box office. And now for a little, like, sad stuff. Al Gore gave his concession speech this day. And a really not-so-jolly fact, the Texas Seven, if you know who they are, escaped from maximum security prison in Texas and went on a crime and murder spree and fled to Colorado, where they posed as Christian missionaries until they were caught on January 22nd. Merry Christmas. (laughs) God bless us, everyone. My favorite part of being on this podcast is I never know what's going to be said by you two. It's always a journey. (laughs) 
We don't either, because sometimes I make the outline and then forget what I write. So when I got to the Texas 7, <laughs> my eyes just lit up right now. Well, I do also a little behind-the-scenes tea. I am like 87% sure that I am on the front end of the flu. <laughs> I'm getting chills. I'm sweating. So I'm going to be in a straight-up fever dream by the time we hit like the 30-minute <laughs> mark. So just toot-toot, buckle up, motherfuckers, because God knows what's going to come flying out of my mouth. Yeah, before we started recording, I told Chelsea she has Pete Davidson eyes and looks like she rolled around in hay. So. So for, for those of you only listening, that's what you're missing out on. Yes, hay fever. <laughs> you're gonna start hallucinating people from your past. No. Damn quaaludes again. So if you want to see Chelsea's Pete Davidson eyes, well, they're behind sunglasses. But you can head on to the Patreon at patreon.com/slash I am the cute one. Now for some background trivia. It was written and directed by Richard Shankman, whose other works include Playboy Playmates in Paradise and Playboy International Playmates, as well as the 2012 straight-to-DVD hit, Abraham Lincoln vs. Zombies. Wow. <laughs> so, I've never seen any of those three, but I've been watching this one since Why have there been, like, multiple Abraham Lincoln vs. <laughs> creatures? I don't know. Was the first one that much of a success that they were like, oh, yeah, we've stumbled onto a franchise here? Yeah, famously, those Abe heads, they'll see him in anything. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where I'm with you, Kelly. I don't know. Sometimes Chelsea speaks, and I don't know if it's real or it's comedy. Well, that's the beauty of me, baby. Like, are there Abe heads? (laughs) No, there's no Abe heads. Abraham Lincoln heads, Donnie? I mean, perhaps. There has to be some. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there are. As you know, I am a Broadway usher. Second reference this episode. Mm -hmm. And I took this girl to the box seats the other day. It was her first Broadway show ever. She's like, I'm so nervous. I said, why are you nervous? You're not in the show. You just have to watch. She's like, the box is where Abraham Lincoln got shot. (laughs) I said, well, I hope you like the show better than he did. Oh, man. (laughs) Like, don't wear a top hat. (laughs) I also want to be like, bitch, you're not famous. Relax. You're not a president. (laughs) Anyway. Two taglines for this movie, and I really think they're the best taglines we've ever had. The first one is, tis the season to be nasty. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I fun. love it. I want to put it on a shirt. Oh my god, we should. Probably is already on one at Kohl's or something. Yeah. And then the second one, this one I really love. It gives me the chills. Christmas can be such a bitch. Ooh. Yeah. Don't you love it? I immediately respond to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That one I'm going to get on a mug and the first one on a t-shirt. <laughs> so what character, if any, do you identify as? I really loved Kathy Griffin. Incredible. Uh-huh. When she was like, are you calling me skinny? I thought that was <laughs> so funny. It was great. I gasped when I saw her. And then I did text Donnie. I was like, oh, my God, Kathy Griffin. He was like, did you not know she was in this? And I'm like, to reiterate, this is a made-for-TV Wednesday movie. No, I did not know she was in this movie that I did not see from the year 2000, Donnie. Uh, you're lost, baby. It's fun to see that short period of time in yeah. the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And she was, like, really acting and not just doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I always forget there's a whole world where Kathy Griffin was, like, an actress, you know? Yes. It was so great. She was amazing. She killed it. She's incredible. Yeah. I also identify as Kathy Griffin because talking about childhood trauma is kind of my jam. And she got to do it while still openly like zinging this woman. <laughs> she was like, it's a shame you were abused. The real abuse is your father's haircut, though. Am I right? Like, <laughs> that is a brand. <laughs> I relate very much to Marley the Mm. character who sadly passed but i love that she came back and she's like learn from my mistakes but also i'm just going to keep popping up when you least expect it to like judge you from afar you know (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So with that out of the way, we're going to put one minute on the clock for you two to give us a one minute synopsis of this movie. Or you can work together. It could be a team sport. Oh, yeah. Every other sentence. Yeah. Okay. Time starts now. This is the better version of Charles Dickens' classic. It involves a Hollywood diva by the name of Vanessa Williams. Chili pops up. Also starring (laughs) Kathy Griffin. I did cry multiple times watching it. It's actually pretty well acted. And it's just a real beautiful movie. (laughs) You did it. So we'll dive in a little deeper than that, though. Right, we could be done. Thanks for being here. Do you guys have anything you want to plug before we let you go? Now that we've talked about Kiki Palmer and my flu, I think we've hit all of our talking points. So you thought. We didn't cover the Texas 7 enough. So <laughs> We're circling back. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. So in our first and probably only ever movie from VH1 Studios, pop star Ebony Scrooge is in the middle of recording a music video for her Christmas single when a snafu with fake snow and toasted French bread causes her to have a meltdown as grand as the end of Frosty the Snowman. So not to make excuses for Ebony's behavior, but I do get it because like that music video was chaos and she wasn't even the center of attention in that incredible outfit those little kids were like literally running around her picking their nose screaming as she was singing and then once you finish rapping then you don't even get the food you want and fake snow which is probably just soap goes into your mouth i do understand every once in a while i do get a glimpse into the future and like God bless whoever gets your rider one day when you're famous, Donnie. I was a little nervous at first. Yes. <laughs> I was like, gay. Uh-huh. I can like, look at my phone the whole time, I guess. Though. I thought it was like being dead serious. Yes. And then when I realized Vanessa was giving full like bitch diva, it was the moment he was like dumping the snow. And she's like, are you trying to kill me with that? And he was like, maybe or something like really. So I was like, oh, cool. This camp. <laughs> And Vanessa Williams just plays this part so well. And I think the first time she like dabbled in it was soul food. But then after that, then they were like, oh, we stumbled on something. And she's played this part (laughs) for the rest of her career. (laughs) No, literally. Every time it feels fresh. It truly does. Can I tell you like a funny Vanessa Williams story? Please. I was supposed to be named Vanessa. (gasps) But after she posed in Playboy, my parents changed my name. Incredible. Because I would have been Vanessa Williams. (laughs) Wow. Whenever I see her, that's what I think of. I think of myself, of course. Of course. As one does. That's amazing. My middle sister's name is Alyssa after Alyssa Milano. And then she posed topless or was topless in a movie or something. And my dad has never stopped talking about it. He is pissed. (laughs) Which, like, why? Just jerk off to it like every other adult man. (laughs) All right. Moving on. VH1 came to the writer-director Richard Schenkman in June 2000 and said, we have an idea for a movie. It's called Diva's Christmas Carol. He said, great. What's it about? And they said, we don't know. (laughs) All we have is the title. You have to write the script. It was June 2000. This movie was to premiere in December. So he had three weeks to write the script, in which he did. And then 
they told him filming would take place in 22 days. So VH1 originally wanted Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey to play Ebony, and they were going to send them the script. And he was like, no, we only have 22 days. This movie is about a bitch diva, but these women will actually be bitch divas if we have to record this in 22 days. So they turned to Vanessa Williams, and the rest is magic. I kind of like that because then she can play them. You know? Yeah. yeah. She's playing a VH1 diva. <laughs> yeah. That's what's so fun about it. Like, the involvement of VH1 is honestly my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it's like, it's not an MTV movie. It's right. a VH1 movie, so it's a little bit older. It feels more mature. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like a more mature sense of humor. Mm -hmm. It's adult contemporary. (laughs) Chelsea, you said that she's playing them. And I do have a question for everyone, I guess. How famous do you think Ebony is supposed to be? Like, is this a Beyonce level? Is this Mariah Carey? How famous are we talking? Because she is famously, like, bankrupt through a lot of it. Not bankrupt, but, like, doesn't have enough to pay her employees. But yet, everyone knows who she is. She says something like, oh, they wanted Celine Dion. She compared her career to Celine, but yeah. she's like a Scrooge and terrible with money. I thought she was like Mariah Carey level. Okay. okay. So as Ebony's last name suggests, she is a demon of a human who views Christmas as a marketing machine. And when her accountant informs her that paychecks for her and her band are late because they're short on money again, she comes up with a brilliant plan, a charity concert in New York City on Christmas Day, where after expenses are taken into consideration, she will be making $1.2 million profit. And because this is a charity concert, she's providing no tickets for the staff to give to their families, and they must stay at dirty fleabag motels while she stays in the princess suite at a high-end hotel. Isn't this basically the Kardashians when they start selling their clothes and they're like, and 1% will go to the charity fund. Yeah, I thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that. Because like that happens so often, but I feel like the Kardashians are the ones most recently that people were like, where is this money going? Mm. Like, you guys have a church too? What's that about? Right. You don't get to it? Like, what? This is a good time then. I wanted to ask both of you because you know more than we do about rotted celebrities. <laughs> do you think Ebony is... Allegedly, based off of like one person in particular, or while you were watching this, did you see like different parts of her that come from different people? Honestly, I just thought of Mariah Carey the entire time, especially like the marketing of Christmas and all of that. I was like, Mariah, I see it. I feel it in my soul. I got like a mix. Like, I felt like she was supposed to be like a mix of all of the VH1 divas. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like some executive at VH1 was like, well, you'll never believe what Gloria Stefan did. (laughs) In my spirit, she was a mix. But I don't know. No, I feel. Yeah. They were writing that script in three weeks and they just put out like a (laughs) newsletter and was like, submit your best stories. Let's make her the worst (laughs) diva in the world. Yes. I'm trying to think, back to the employees having to stay in, like, shit hotels and not get paid and stuff. I'm trying to think if there is a celebrity I'd let treat me like shit just because I loved them in the 90s. And I think it's Vanessa Williams. Oh, meta. (laughs) Better. I'm like, I get wet with you talking to me like this, so you don't need to pay me ever again. (laughs) Slap me across the face and call it a raise. (laughs) Can I get some of that green (laughs) M&M? I think that Tyra Banks would be the person that could treat me Ooh. like shit because it would be like part of the experience. On I would brand, be like, shave yeah. my head, Tyra. Give me a makeover. <laughs> pretend you have rabies. Please. <laughs> Tyra's a good answer. Chelsea does her homework sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, I think I'm the celebrity that treats you like yeah. shit, Chelsea. You don't need Tyra. Oh You're the Christmas diva. <laughs> I'm Bob Cratchit. <laughs> well, so although her staff is rightly upset, nobody says anything to Ebony since they all had a boner for her girl group in the 80s. Though no one is more upset than her manager, Bob, whose jealous wife and dying son are waiting for him at home. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Hang on. I have a question for Donnie and Troy because oh, you guys sure. are very funny. And I mean, Chelsea, you're also very it's funny, okay. but this is specifically for them. Yes. What did you guys think of Bob the manager? Are you asking if we were going to fuck him or something? Yeah, because you guys are always so... So funny. You guys are so funny. I know funny. what you mean when you ask questions like that. He's like, you're a gutter whore. You're a funny gutter horse. Yeah. I like that she realized, though, mid-sentence that like if we took it at face value, she was basically calling me unfunny. So then she had to like circle back to be like, but you're not funny in the same way they're funny. You want them to wreck your hole as well. <laughs> Let's leave this one to Donnie and Troy. Take it away. Yeah, Troy, you can go first. Yeah, I wanted to fuck him. That's Kelly. Is that what you wanted to hear? Yeah. Now, what's crazy is I know that this man did not get a new look. Like, they filmed this in 22 days. But as modern day Bob, no. But in the flashback, absolutely. When Ebony broke up with him, I was like, I'm a hole here for you, Bob. You don't need her. (laughs) No, he plays to that, like, 90s dad thing. Like, there's some people that I look at and I'm like, oh, if I was a teenager watching this, I would have been, like, so into him. But he is a deadbeat. And I'm going to go on a whole rant later, so I'll save most of it for then. But, like, if I were his wife, I would fucking leave him. I am here taking our son to doctor's appointments. I am single parent parenting while you are like off in Paris with your ex-girlfriend absolutely the fuck not and like having an emotional affair right the only thing about the movie that didn't really make sense to me was that I was like so is he like cheating on his wife like and she doesn't care is it an open relationship situation and as a Christmas Carol purist Bob Cratchit is famously a family man so this guy being like oh he's still feeling sick that sucks it was like well you're not a very good dad I mean someone gotta pay the bills Chelsea the mom, every time I look, she was just on the fucking phone. She's laying down. <laughs> yeah. Like, girl. She's tired. She's raising their son by herself, Donnie. Can I say something really evil? Yes. Oh, please. So I'm so revolted by children in movies that think they're cute. I hate, like, kids like this kid. It's like, hey, dad. Every time the kid got on the phone, he was like, I'm Forget Christmas spirit and saying all that dumb shit. I was like, just shut the fuck up, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, relax. And then this is cutting much later, but when Bob calls him sweetheart on the phone, I almost <laughs> gagged. Oh, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, like God. that. We are all gonna be visited by some ghosts tonight. <laughs> Ebony arrives in New York, and while she's taking three hours to wash the Parisian stink off of her, she's visited by her niece, who invites her to Christmas dinner. And after Ebony rudely declines, Bob stops by to tell her to drink milk before bed, to which Ebony reminds him, you're not my daddy. <laughs> Kelly and Troy, what is a daddy to you? Oh, so many different meanings. <laughs> I think that there's a difference between a daddy and a zaddy. Mm. You know? So when I use the term daddy, I think I'm only thinking of zaddy because to me, a daddy is like someone that fucks me so bad <laughs> or like bad in a good way so funny, that I Donnie. can't. 
I can't look you in the eyes afterwards because you just did filthy, filthy things to me. Like, <laughs> all I can do during the act of sex is to whimper and call you daddy. And that is a daddy. <laughs> I mean, I suppose, yes. But sometimes I will use the term daddy for, like, like an older man that makes me feel emotionally swaddled. See, that's a daddy mm. to me. A zaddy is all those things that Donnie just described so funnily. <laughs> and then I think a daddy is, like... Yeah, like an older gentleman who's going to take care of me and like, you know, make me feel really safe financially. (laughs) (laughs) With Bob and her niece out of the way, she receives another visitor, the ghost of her former best friend and girl group member, Marley, played by Chili from TLC, who warns her that in the afterlife, there are no facials, massages, or manicures. And she's here to save her soul with the help of three spirits that will stop by later that night. On our live show a couple weeks ago, we talked about ghostly experience. Well, Chelsea did. I didn't have one, so I just told a scary tale about being zip-tied on a first date. But... (laughs) Very casual. (laughs) I was like, I don't have a ghost story, but this happened. Do either of you have any experience with ghost interactions? I think I have really, like, vivid dreams about people. And, like dream things that will happen and eventually happen. Oh, like that's so Raven. Yeah. <laughs> so I used to live in a very, uh, I'll say active <laughs> apartment building. <laughs> it was like an old schoolhouse in like 1918. And then that became like an, all these different things. And now it's an apartment building. And like all of my neighbors, like we would have so much crazy shit happen that sometimes we would just like want to like hang out because we didn't want to like be alone. Oh my, God. oh my God. Or like if I called my neighbor and I was like something weird's going on, she would just like be like come upstairs. And then I would go up and I wouldn't even have to explain it because she would just get it. It was like really intense. Like it was like very scary. Did you feel times. like it was like bad energy or just like overall just no. otherworldly? Otherworldly. It just felt like a presence but it didn't feel negative yeah at times it honestly just felt like annoying oh my god when you first said you lived in a very active building i thought you meant like active like how me and you are funny (laughs) 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 but then once you said it used to be a schoolhouse i was like oh spooky active well demi lovato famously they got fucked by a ghost so it's not out of the realm of possibility (laughs) circling back to this movie which we are here today to cover this backstory Mm -hmm of Marley was so fucking dark and I did not expect it at all. It kind of just came out of nowhere and I was like, holy shit. They took yeah. some No, overall it was dark. Like Marley slides it in the middle of a sentence. She's like, I killed somebody while I was on drugs. But then when we go to the past, in fact, let me just skip to that part of the outline right now. So soon Kathy Griffin and her original nose are in Ebony's room, who takes her home to Patterson, New Jersey, where young Ebony's brother gets abused for playing charades and Ebony's paper Christmas tree gets thrown into the fire because for the last time, there's no Christmas in this house. Not on Grandma Scrooge's watch, though, because she calls child welfare and soon enough enough, Ronnie and Ebony are split up and put in the foster care system. And after high school, Ronnie has a daughter and then has an aneurysm, leaving Ebony with her niece as her only family. This is all very dark. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I was in Celebrity Memoir Book Club and we were talking about Lindsay's movie. And mm. I was just like, I miss like real Christmas movies. Like when it was like a real movie that just so yes. happened to have like some Christmas shit injected into it. But people were like acting and there was like a budget and yeah, you know, people like cared about the movie being good and not just like a dumb thing. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is going to be like a movie I rotate probably for like years. And I think it was unexpected because it was so campy and silly and lighthearted mm. at times that then these scenes, like they acted the shit out of it. Like I started feeling all of the things I would be feeling if I were to be watching like a quote unquote real movie because it kind of was a real movie. Mm-hmm. This could have been so cheesy or like overdone. And the dad storming down the stairs, like that was a moment of like, <laughs> I was like, mm. but like besides that, I believed this backstory for her and it did make me believe why she was the way she was today. Yeah. yeah. Are all iterations of Christmas Carol, not this dark, obviously, but are they all dark? Like, is Michael Caine getting abused in Muppets Christmas Carol? <laughs> I mean, I think there's less abuse. <laughs> the abuse really stuck with no, me. No, but there is like, you know, Tiny Tim does have a pretty dark well, yeah. storyline. I guess. If you care about children. <laughs> yeah, that storyline was like when they were getting put in separate cars, I was <laughs> sobbing. And I was yeah. like, fuck you, Donnie, for making me watch this. <laughs> Meanwhile, you texted me that you were sobbing and I like got giddy. I was like, oh, thank God. She loves <laughs> You didn't heart my DM. You laughed at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of tracks. Again, we have our own diva among us. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to have burnt ham with you on Christmas. <laughs> We soon get a little palate cleanser, though, from all of these dark storylines, because we are transported to Desire's 1988 Christmas performance of the number one new R&B hit in the nation, Heartquake, as Desire prepares to head off for their first world tour. The fact that this song is not available to stream anywhere is a mortal sin. I, I am so upset. It's a bop. It's amazing. It's so good. And I downloaded it off LimeWire when it first came out. Obviously, the year was 2000. But then you have to listen to Kathy Griffin and Vanessa Williams talk in the middle of it. I just want a studio <laughs> yeah. version. I love in old LimeWires when you would have random things like that. AOL Music, first listen. Yeah, it would hit you. Like, all of a sudden, your eardrum would be blown out. Jesus, I'm just trying to listen to Britney Spears. <laughs> A little trivia for this song, though. Richard Schenkman, the writer and director, hired a music producer to produce Sleigh Ride and Heart of Christmas for the movie. And when Richard was looking for a song to be Desire's biggest hit, the producer they hired already had Heartquake written and ready to go because he wrote it in the 80s and pitched it to the Pointer Sisters, but they declined. Wow. Yeah. So he's just been sitting on it for 20 years. He was ready. They were giving me um, <laughs> Michelle Visage vibes and she was in a girl group. To me, they remember reminded me of you know those three little pigs on sesame street that are like i got a new way to walk 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 it's the same exact outfit same exact hair chelsea you have something to say well i was just gonna bitch some more about bob cratchit this is the scene where when i realized that they used to be dating because she like you know Mm. blows him a kiss in the sound booth or whatever this is when i was like oh i would fuck this guy up if i was bob's wife i would fuck her up fuck him up he literally at one point tells her i love you for who you really are i knew you when you were nobody and then went on to work for this woman for 12 years like this man is a masochist but also if i was the (laughs) wife i would be like maybe we can put some resumes out maybe we can go into some stores ask if they're hiring why is this the only answer why is this the only job opportunity given you know i'm gross because i was rooting for them like i know he's married with a sick child but i was like no but him and vanessa should get back yeah statistically when your kids die the couple normally divorces so like (laughs) if tim just like took one for the team we could have an ebony and bob end game here i would like my silence to be noted donnie is canceled i did not participate in that joke (laughs) 
<laughs> That's why I thought that was the only confusing thing because I thought you were supposed to want them to date or something. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to end with the wife being like, she's your true love, honey. Right. Like, I really thought that that was how it was going to end. Right. Well, they usually in this, like, trope, they usually make the wife, like, terrible. Like, he's just yeah. a good guy and she's, like, spending all his money. But then when you add the sick kid and she's taking him to all his appointments, like, it's really hard to paint right. her as the bad guy in the situation. But yeah. typically, if we're rooting for, like, a marriage to break up, it's the Hallmark trope. Like, the busy businesswoman who's busy businessman mm-hmm. won't take off of work to go Christmas tree shopping with her. And I don't know how early, like, made-for-TV Christmas movies started, but this was 2000. So, like, this could have been kind of ahead of the curve. So maybe they didn't know to fall into the tropes yet, which is a good thing, because I did love it. Um, But with Heartquake aside, we can't have too much of a good thing. So soon, we see the rest of Ebony's past Christmases, where highlights include her breaking up with Bob, because she'd rather have success than love, and Terry, the other living member of Desire, checking in and out of homeless shelters, because Ebony's lawyers stopped her from starting another girl group with the name Desire. Which, oh, here we go. like, Ebony is grade A cunt. Okay, fine. But... Neither one of these things seem particularly bad to me. <laughs> number one, you need to have your priorities in order. She chooses success over love. Fine. And number two, this woman was trying to start a band under the band name you already had. Like, the group is dismantled. Get over it, honey. Well, <laughs> I will concede that there was a lot of gaslighting from both of her former bandmates. Like, when Marley visits, she tried to blame her overdose on Ebony, which I did not think was cool. Mm. And, like, she's not responsible for her other bandmate being homeless. Like, I don't think she... Well, maybe she is because of the lawyers, so maybe I take that back. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Team Ebony on this one, Donnie. I, I can't... I don't know if I can take that journey with you. Okay. And to rewind it back to the beginning of this episode, I think the character I am is Ebony, but I just didn't want to like say I have main character <laughs> syndrome, so I said Kathy Griffin. But. Oh my god. You really kept it under wraps with all your comments so far. I would have had no idea. This is the first episode I've ever used the C Did word. Did you see my face? Patreon.com slash I am the cute one. We're going to have to hit the books. Your women's studies course is clearly not sticking. <laughs> also, Chelsea, take note of what Donnie just said. Get your lawyers together now. (laughs) Well, he also famously in another episode said that for, what was it, $10,000, you would never speak to me again? No, million, right? Million was not attached. Maybe it was 100,000. Either way, there was a number that if they said, we'll pay you this if you never speak to Chelsea again, I did. (laughs) Yes, I did. Um, So Kathy Griffin's work here is done. So our next guest, Steve, just Steve, clocks in for his shift. And once he's finished with his orgy in Ebony's hotel room, it's time to show her Christmas present. And our first stop is the piece of shit hotel where her staff is staying and making the most of their nightmare before Christmas. I think if this happened to me, that the ghost of Christmas present would be the hardest for me to watch because I can relive my childhood trauma. Like I'm already barely paying attention to it now so let me focus on it a little bit (laughs) and you can show me how i'm gonna die that's fine too but watching everyone i know in real time talk shit about me behind my back would haunt me for the rest of my life yeah that would be the toughest one okay something that also drives me insane (laughs) in like low budget films is when the actors don't know to make props look heavy like he came in with all the groceries and he's like, who wants beer? And he holds up a six pack of beer with one hand and he's like shaking it back and forth. And the, the other person had like a thing of eggnog, like this big giant old school container of eggnog. I'm like, can you pretend that there's some fucking milk in there, bro? 
that's the Gilmore Girls effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the Christmas present would be hard too because then you wake up from your nightmare and it's still the next day and you still know what they said about you. She may have mm. changed, but she also still knows what every single one of her employees said specifically about her. Oh, that's true. She's live her life knowing. Uh, not me. I would announce it at the concert. Let's see what this bitch had to say about me the other day at her Christmas party. That's good. (laughs) So next up on our Christmas Eve tour is Bob, whose wife tells him coming home after the concert may be too late for their son's health. Elsewhere, Ebony's accountant reveals in a Bond villain monologue that he's been stealing from her and that he's on her will for a large portion of her estate. And at the homeless shelter, Ebony gets to see the people who will be benefiting, not really, from her charity concert. And at her niece's Christmas party, our biggest takeaway is that someone needs to tell her that her husband is clearly gay, but that's another ghost <laughs> job because Steve's work here is done and Ebony is transported back to her room. I do need to talk about the husband, though, mm-hmm. for a second because the actor is very clearly gay, but I thought the character was, too. Like, the whole scene happened and I thought he was just her gay friend at this Christmas party. And then at the end of the scene, he's like, come on darling and kisses her or something like you are in a velour shirt (laughs) i I don't even know if it was i think it was silk it was like a red silk shirt actively gay actor i don't know why they did this to this man he's canadian (laughs) why are we bringing canada into this what a journey that whole thing was donnie you know what kelly I hang myself when there's silence. So, like, when nobody spoke, I just kept going. And that's how we ended on Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada. Please continue the outline. Calling all Virginia cuties. Mother Magnolia is a houseplant specialty boutique offering supplies and goods for novice, self proclaimed plant murderers to expert level plant parents. Educational and DIY workshops are offered for cuties in the area, and virtual pay-what-you-can plant consults are offered if you can't make it to Virginia. And with the holidays approaching, be sure to check out MotherMagnoliaPlants.com for their online shop. They've got everything you never knew you needed, from soil scoops and trellises to planty stickers, pins, cards, and apparel. That's MotherMagnoliaPlants.com. And to follow the journey, follow Mother Magnolia on TikTok, Mother Magnolia Plant Co. on Instagram and Facebook. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles 
bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. I love that the niece was like, you know what? I still love my aunt, even though she's like a bad person. Like, I still have faith in her. And I really thought that was sweet. That was sweet. Yeah, it was. I think she's the only one that didn't talk shit about her this whole movie. I'm like, oh, Vanessa Williams gonna play charades? (laughs) (laughs) So it's clear that Ebony learned nothing this far because Bob stops by her room to tell her he's going home to see Tim and she doesn't take it well. And this is where I will say I've been talking a lot of shit about Bob. They should have leaned into the like, I need insurance to pay these medical bills route. Like they touched on it earlier. But this yeah. is when I was like, okay, had they like really driven that point home that he's keeping this job so that he can pay all of these bills and have the insurance, like I would have hated him a little bit less because this is when I was like, okay, fine. You're not off. I know. I feel like he was very chill about his son dying. Right. Like a little bit like too calm about it. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, I hope he gets better. <laughs> like, I guess I'll see him after Christmas, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> and I also love too that that was like kind of in all of the scenarios where she went back, that was like kind of the only thing that really changed her back in like reality. She was still kind of a con. <laughs> Then when the kid died, she was like, oh, fine, fine. (laughs) Also, just real quick, going back to, like, the start of the movie when all, like, the poltergeist shit is happening in her room. Yes. I love how she's just, like, annoyed. She's like, oh, I'm not paying for that as the fridge explodes. She's just like, oh, annoyed. She goes, $7 for goobers? (laughs) I was like, this is so funny. Oh, my God. So Troy, I'll be sending you the Feminism 101 textbook now that you and Donnie have used the C word this episode. No, but we use it about Ebony, who we love. It's in a good yeah, way. If you like the person we're calling that, okay. it's fine. It's like the Erica Jane necklace. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the Erica Jane necklace. All my friends say it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> But enough of that, because <laughs> the third spirit, in the form of a post-mortem VH1 behind the music it. special, so good, visits her where she learns everyone is glad she's dead, especially Brian McKnight, (laughs) whose tribute song goes platinum. But the final straw is seeing her tombstone, where the tagline is Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings, and Ebony swears she'll change, and every freaking day will be Christmas. (laughs) Like, the lyric of Bette Midler is the joke, but then we see a corpse, and... (laughs) <laughs> Ebony says, it really is Celine Dion. Why'd Celine have to get it? I know. Why Celine catching strays? I don't know. I know. VH1 was like sending a message. That was warning shots right there. This scene was the thing that set the movie like a next level up. Like so I already really liked it. And then when the the behind the music thing happened, I was like, this is incredible. 
And like, this is VH1 flexing the fact that this is a VH1 movie. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah. Like, that was so cool. It's yeah. so well done. And there are some things that like, maybe it's time or maybe it was budget that don't like look good. Mm-hmm. But I would have paid to see this in theaters in terms of like performances by the leads and even who the leads are. It yeah, was so too. clever. Really quick. Would you rather want to know how you die or when you die? How I die. Oh. When? I think when. When, yeah. yeah. You want to know how? Yeah, I'd have like too much anxiety leading up to the date. But imagine it was like you die walking. And so what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Just get a scooter, an Abby Lee Miller scooter <laughs> to avoid walking? Yeah. <laughs> if I knew it was like April 9th, 2042, I would have anxiety up until April 9th. 2042. See, I would just live the shit out of my life. I would be like doing whatever I wanted. I'd be going skydiving. I'd be doing drugs. Like I would be doing whatever because I'm like, I'm good until 2042, baby. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm like, I do that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Live every day like you're dying in 2042. Yeah. So what if the only thing you know is that you have a literally horrific death like some person pushes you into like a a tree grinder or something and you can't avoid it and then what you just know that you're gonna have this horrific death then i'm gonna talk to donnie and chelsea and i'm gonna have them create a whole podcast about my whole life (laughs) (laughs) i'll get my legacy going well thank you for trusting us with your story if anyone could tell it it's you too (laughs) we are known for our journalistic integrity i'll be like this cunt died in a thing but i liked her so i can call her that she wasn't funny not too funny the appropriate amount of funny (laughs) oh my god in the words of ebony sometimes all it takes is one bad night's sleep to make your head straight because the next morning ebony atones for her sins as she donates holiday albums and stereos to children's hospitals plays charades with her pregnant niece buys price gauged tickets to her concert to give to her staff for their families fires her accountant gives full concert proceeds to the homeless shelter brings terry out at the concert for duet gives bob vacation time and flies his wife and son to new york where she gets tim the best hospital care she can find god bless us everyone kelly did you cry here too yeah okay. <laughs> me too. i also cried at the very end <laughs> it's very emotional for me i don't want to squash anybody's christmas spirit oh, I don't believe her. I don't believe she's changed. I don't believe I one do. bit. I think she's a narcissist. This is giving performative <laughs> allyship vibes. She's giving CD players to hospitals. She's love bombing Bob. This is the cycle of abuse. She's like, I've treated you like shit. Here's a turkey dinner before you have to work for another 12 hours. That's sabotage. They're going to want to take a nap and she's going to be mad about See, it. See, I would agree no. with you until it does a year later and she's still like kind. Okay, well, mm-hmm. I want to check on her in three years. <laughs> One last piece of trivia before we move to the final thoughts. The set for this concert was already up when they like got the location to film because they had just done a post-industrial play there. But the director was like, do not strike this. We'll just put Christmas lights on it and call it a day. Oh, cool. So that's, huh. <laughs> that's why they had that metal staircase that goes up and down like this. Oh, yeah, well, that's like, actually kind of fun. I I was going to say that I also kind of agree that I was like, I wasn't totally convinced that she, I really needed that year later. Mm -hmm. Because I was Mm. like, okay, what did she do? She did like randomly love bomb that guy. Mm -hmm. She's like, you're the most important thing in my life and my very best friend. (laughs) 
And then I thought it was funny that she gave the fucking hospital boom boxes. And copies of her CD. It almost felt like a parody of a person being nice. You know, it was like an SNL parody of a person being nice. But she did tell that Canadian talk show host that she needs more ideas. That was giving big, like, you search some keywords on my Twitter vibes. That she was like, what else can I do? How can I prove to you that I've changed? What other memorabilia of mine would you like? And I thought it was funny that even though I'm pro Ebony, she absolutely changed. To prove to her staff that she knew Christmas was important and wanted them to have a good time, she had Wolfgang Puck work on his Christmas. That was great. (laughs) Right. That was actually my favorite line of the entire, like, literally the whole movie. (laughs) Wolfgang, I need you. You're the only one. I like that she was serving them during the dinner. Yeah. I'm very pro Ebony, if you cannot tell. Me too. This one over here. I was charmed. I mean, I work with Ebony every week making this podcast. <laughs> Ghosts didn't visit me. Once they do, okay. I'll change. So if we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we cast in a remake or what would we want the plot to a sequel to be? So I thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would put Kelly Rowland as Vanessa. Oh. Her or Michelle Williams. And I feel bad saying that is like the two Destiny Child girls. But I think either of them would absolutely kill it in that role they would this is the most i've ever done my homework oh wow so i want j-lo as ebony i want cameos from christina aguilera britney spears and ashanti oh okay i want ben affleck playing bob i want ariana Mm -hmm. grande playing her niece okay and then i want melissa rivers playing the ghost of christmas past Miley Cyrus playing the ghost of Christmas present, and I want Dumois reporting her death. <laughs> oh, that's great. Who are these Britney and Christina cameos then? I thought they were your ghosts, but they're just... Um, either cameos or they could be like, I don't know, Donnie, I just was typing away. You get mad when I'm not prepared, you get mad when I'm overprepared. Just accept my ADHD brain. I'm turning in the assignment on time. All right, it's just Brittany down in the street when she's like, you there, boy, what day is today? <laughs> so I would like to keep things very traditional. I would go full VH1 diva. Mm. Like, I would actually cast, like, like maybe even Mariah. Like, I would maybe even go full Mariah and have her, like, yeah. diva and, like, have it be a parody of herself. And then all of her ghosts are also Christmas divas. But, like, it's very music forward. So, like, yeah. Nia Twain would be one of the divas and like, play music and, like, it would be a whole thing. And you know what I mean? Yeah. That would yeah. be fun to have it be, like, a, just a bunch of divas, like, guiding each other, you know? I love that. <laughs> I did not cast it. Instead, I made a sequel plot. And this... I really thought I was doing something, but it's kind of dark. But so is this movie. Um, So I have Ebony is so overcome by the spirit of Christmas that she gives all of her money away. And then she's now destitute and bitter living in the homeless shelter. So the spirits have to visit her and remind her that the spirit of Christmas doesn't matter how much money you have. (laughs) I love that. Wow. Thank you. So on that note. (laughs) <laughs> what for us about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster? I actually thought it like aged pretty well, like all around just because it's Christmas Carol. And yeah. I don't know. I was so obsessed with this movie and I'm not like a Christmas movie kind of gal. Can't say that anymore. I can't. <laughs> I agree. I thought it like aged really well and it wasn't really dependent on like 
technology or anything like that. You know, there was the the flip of a couple cell phones, but aside from that, it wasn't like there weren't like a bunch of things that took you out of it really. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. thought it aged very well. I do too. The only thing I think that would have changed if it was being made now for the first time when she was frantic to get a hold of him at the airport. I was like, just text him, you stupid bitch. <laughs> but she couldn't. I understand that. But everything else I think aged perfectly. I loved this movie. I thought it aged shockingly well. The only thing for me that <laughs> aged like Blockbuster is basically it being like a giant commercial for the Salvation Army. So just a general Christmas time <laughs> PSA. The Salvation Army is not a nonprofit. It is a church. There's a long <laughs> history of discriminating against the LGBTQ plus community. So if you want to donate somewhere, may I recommend the Baltimore Hunger Project, the Trevor Project, and of course, Homeless, Not Toothless, Dorit's Project on Beverly Hills. So, <laughs> You could also, I know another good place to donate to LGBTQ is patreon.com slash I am the cute one. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't support us, you are homophobic. So, you know, that's on your conscience for when your ghosts visit you. <laughs> Oh my god. Jesus. On that note, Kelly and Troy, if people don't know, let them know where they can follow you, where they can listen to you, etc. Well, our podcast is called Beyond the Blinds, and you can follow it on everything, Stitcher, iTunes, all the stuff. Um, you can also follow our Patreon at patreon.com slash beyond the blinds. And yeah, you can follow me online mostly through Dunzo Pod on instagram kelly you go and i am laguna biatch on instagram and on twitter it's laguna biatch ig it's very crazy over there if you want to join the party (laughs) always a good time and next week we will be covering the holiday so come back for that not kelly and troy i mean you're always welcome but i was talking about the listeners uh so we will talk to you later love Love you like like a sister sister. jesus Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you, you later. later. Love, Love you like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.